Hello, and welcome to episode 208 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybuck, and joining me this evening is my lovely co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am doing wonderfully. We have a beautiful, sunny spring day, and the mint that I thought was mint is actually celery, which is a little bit disappointing, but that's like the worst thing that's happened to me today, so... You can't really complain, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there are far, far worse things that could happen in your day than uh, accidental celery. But uh, yeah, so tonight our scheduling conf uh, conflicted with other hosts, so it's just the two of us. So we're going to probably just do a more trimmed down cast, and we're going to be avoiding story stuff because we feel like we should be discussing that with the other hosts. So... Uh, this is going to be especially disorganized by our standards. Um, it, uh, we are also, I think, going to confine our talk to uh, the first map again. Um, because I said that we were going to do that last time, and then we didn't really even talk about any maps. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Um, so, Spirit, do you, have, do you have any topics you want to touch off on right off the bat? I want to talk about Mnoon, because I love Mnoon. Um, Amnoon is is the sort of central city area of Oasis, and it scratches an itch for me that Guild Wars 2 hasn't, that um, for like uh, city areas, but with stuff going on for, in them. So uh, I guess Evan Hawk was okay, but it didn't do, execute quite as well as Amnoon. Yeah, it didn't um, really pull it off as well. Yeah, the the really good one was uh or the the thing that i remember really fondly was the labyrinthine cliffs where it was like this market area where there was there was all kinds of things going on but it wasn't necessarily like it was a nice break from uh all the running around and dragons flying over and things trying to kill you and stuff like there were still things to do but it was a it was a, like a like a filler arc or like a side story episode and i i need that every once in a while and I yeah. got that in Amnoon, which is really nice. So my favorite thing uh, thus far in and around Amnoon is the Casino Coin event. Have you done that? I have, um, although I did it right off the bat, and then I haven't been around for it since then. And so I'd really like to go back and do it now that I have all of uh, the all of the core mounts, I guess you could say. And mm -hmm. um, I have a bunch of masteries unlocked because there were a bunch that. I either couldn't get or I could get, but with some shenanigans, and I knew that there had to be a better way to do it, uh, but mm -hmm. but that I didn't have the the technology, so to speak, to get them. So I would like to go back and do it again, you know, with with more capabilities under my belt. Yeah, I have been back there uh, many many times because those coins um, have a vendor which has some items that are of interest to me including a tonic that lets you turn into a choya pinata and a mini of a choya pinata and then an assortment of kites there's a bunch of choya kites there's a couple uh skimmer kites with different skins i think there's like one or two more even so i'm quite keen on unlocking some of those for myself nice uh, i did you did ping me the choya mini i think and i i saw that it was there later um i what what's uh what's the normal haul that you get from a single run how many do you um it depends on unfortunately kind of the other people who are around because you can't 
quite progress it all the way through by yourself. You need kind of like three to five people. Mm -hmm. Um, But per round, I get between 30 and 40 coins. And then if if you are successful, if there are other people around, it progresses all the way through. Um, You you get four rounds and then a chance at the Choya Piñata, which doesn't often succeed still. Um, It needs a lot of CC and people aren't necessarily it depends on how it scales up and if you get there right away and whatnot it's not always succeeding right now but if you do succeed that's like another 10 and allegedly a chance at a crazy infusion that i have not seen yet but people keep talking about a festive confetti infusion that is supposed to drop from it but no one i have not seen one to confirm that that actually drops Uh, i don't think i've seen somebody running around with one so i can neither neither confirm nor deny the existence of said infusion uh cool uh i yeah i i like i like that it's sort of a big mix of events and activities as a town like it has merchants it has a bunch of npcs it has events that run in it it has it has a heart um there's a lot of reasons to be around there also the uh what do you call it the sort of convenience pass that you get if you got the deluxe version of the game mm-hmm. um the lily of Elan, uh takes you there uh which also you can just sort of jump right out of into the water which is always fun um, can i have a one moment to have a complaint about that yeah. when you come out of lily of the elon and you turn left there is a doorway that should lean into amnoon and the door is closed so you have to go like up and around on your springer or all the way around that door should be open that's funny. Uh, I always just jump out into the water and get on my skimmer. Uh, I mean, I could do that, but you know, I want I want it to be the way that I want it because I'm yeah 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 yeah. So Take there. that. So there. Uh, well, I I really don't have a rebuttal to that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I actually haven't gone back to the Lily of the Lawn too much, um, which is something i guess that sort of segues into something i wanted to talk about which is inventory wars so to speak uh this is not not necessarily a complaint but more a shifting of issues i suppose because uh, the pathfire has introduced these identifiable salvageable items but also there's like so it feels like there's so much more inventory bloat right now of other things mm-hmm. um I so I feel like it's not very clear why I feel like it is not very clear what the significance of identifying versus salvaging is and other than ostensibly that you can get you can get something useful out of identifying and then Eric told me that somebody got a precursor out of one of them, and then it just like made me groan because I don't want to worry about getting like missing precursor drops just to salvage oh, quicker. Yeah, imagine getting like an ecto out of your rares and being like, "Was that? Was that? Was, was that, that thing?" Yeah, exactly. Um, but then it's super inconvenient. So I, I remember I, I don't know if we talked about it or if just people online were talking about it. But I remember before it came out, people were discussing the relative merits of of these um, salvageable items and that it's like, well, it'll keep your inventory clear until you're ready to manage your inventory. Uh, but 
it also means that you can't really effectively use if you want to be using or if you want to be I, identifying them then it takes away your ability to do salvage all unless you take up an invisible bag slot for it because salvage all automatically salvages them uh, but then by the same token if you don't want to be identifying them then that's fine because then salvage all you know salvages them so mm-hmm. it's it feels kind of it feels kind of clunky in in execution if the intent yeah i, I don't know um it's at least nice that you can right click and open all like at least that's saving my wrists uh but yeah um i don't know how 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 are you feeling about about the identifiable salvageable items uh you know i haven't really dealt with them yet whenever i think whenever i think of it i stash some away in my bank and so i'm slowly gathering some up there because uh as far as i know they work off magic find they do. So you want to stash up a bunch and then, you know, crank up your magic find at some point. And I do have quite high magic find. Uh, I think I'm up to like 287%. I'm starting to tickle that 300 cap. Holy so, moly. Uh, it is beneficial to me to try and save those and put my magic find up at some point and identify them. But honestly, most of the time, uh, they just get salvaged as I'm trying to clean out my inventory because... Um, I can't be arsed to deal with minor sigils, so yeah, uh, <laughs> they just they just go. Um, but whenever I I stop at the bank, I always make sure that I I put some in there, and so I'm slowly saving up a pile. Yeah, I I tried identifying them at first, and my inventory is always a mess to start with. Uh, so adding on adding on something like this it just did not. It's nice that you can just salvage them right away. Uh, it's just like kind of hurts me a little bit to think that I'm possibly giving something up by this convenience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were also talking about with regard to getting more stuff in our inventory. It's been really interesting that we've gotten... I feel like we're getting a lot of sort of mini quests. To sort of segue this back into our discussion uh, from last episode about questing several of these mastery points did we talk about the mastery points that were basically quests i can't remember but we should anyway whether we did or not yeah so i meant to talk about it and i don't think we did just thinking back and it's i was very surprised a few of the times when i went to go to a mastery point and i opened it up and you know the npc just goes oh yeah cool uh well i want you to do this 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 and this for me and uh you know chop chop and i was surprised that it, it it actually really confused me because I thought it was an event, but then it clearly wasn't. And then I looked in my inventory and several of them gave you like items that open dialogues that give you hints to where they go. Or some of them give you collections or some of them give you both. Um, and I, it's an interesting idea, but now my inventory is like full of all these items that are that are like, hey, double click to see this thing that's a hint for such and such. And I can't remember which one of them i've already done and so now Mm -hmm. i've got now i've got all this extra inventory space of stuff that i already didn't have space for because i'm a hoarder um but do you do you like that implementation of some of these mastery points as as mini quests or uh do you wish that they stayed just how they were in the in the good old days when they were just all channels 
I really like that they've changed him up. I like that when I go to a mastery point, it is an interesting experience for me and a memorable experience because I only get to do them once per account, right? It's not something that I'm going to be repeating ever. So I find it fitting and interesting that it is a bit more fleshed out than a channel. But yeah, I'm in the same boat where like, it's good to know, it's good to think at least that once we get past this initial stage of like everything is brand new and you know we get a lot of those collection items and stuff out of our inventories they won't be coming in all the time because they are one-time things but sorting through it right now is an absolute bear and uh you know one thing we we said before the show is a lot of things have a double purpose like it was a collection item but now you can consume it for magic find or or experience or karma or whatever there's a lot of those kinds of things and while that's great that these items, like, I don't have to sit there and delete all these items they're going to use, I still have to, um, like, it, it, it's added onto my inventory time because I have to sit there and go, oh, what is this? Oh, yeah, okay, I eat that. Uh, this one goes to the vendor. Okay, I'll vendor that. And then, you know, this one, oh, okay, I got to merge this thing with the other thing. So it, it's less, uh, less wasteful but more uh, management intensive, I think, than it has been in the past. Yeah, well, it definitely triggers that sort of latent aspect that I have of anxiety over getting rid of an item that I don't know if I'll use again. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's like, here's a whole bunch of other items that you might need to use. But uh, with regard to them being having some sort of mini quest ones, I actually, I also like that some of them are this way. And also that uh, not all of them are this way. I think it was neat to have, is there only one per map? I feel like there might be. Uh, I know Riverlands has like two or three collectible ones. They're not they're not exactly the same, but they their aspect like scavenger hunt aspects of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that that's uh puts a little pin in that theory, but even even so, I think that it was a good balance of them because you definitely have enough masteries available to get plenty of if not all of the real masteries that you care about without having to actually uh, do them and but if you like them then you know that's a much more compelling experience than just a channel uh, as we said i think um no that's not quite right i think uh i worked out that if you do if you complete the story and you do all the channeled ones you should have near enough or all of your path of fire masteries and everything else is optional Yeah, Uh, ostensibly, though, we'll probably need to have extras if you're doing raids, uh, because... Oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But that's the the same way as uh, Heart of Thorns was, was that there were more than enough, but then raids came in and sort of sucked up a few of those extras, so... And Living Story, for that matter. Mm. Yeah, but Living Story is pretty good about introducing new ones whenever it um, sunk some as well. Yeah, that's I guess raids did as well, if you were uh, successful. Every boss kill gave a mastery point. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also you had to be successful in order to train the next mastery anyway, didn't you? You only have to do one boss to unlock the whole raid mastery line, and it can be any boss. Oh, okay. I guess I just... Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I have several that are... uh, (laughs) That I did not beat the bosses for, but have some masteries. But yeah, I... um, I think that... While we're talking about map exploration... Oh, that actually reminds me. I do wish... It's making it more obvious. I wish that they had introduced a way 
to highlight mastery points that you had not achieved or acquired yet, similar to Mm -hmm. how you can do it with every other map discoverable um, or hearts with hovering over them in the key because they're not they're not in the the key for the map. And so sometimes it's a little bit annoying trying to hunt around for them. But that's a that's a pretty minor, pretty minor complaint. Uh, I do feel that the maps and story were very, very well paced. Um, You told me before the podcast that you'd been spending most of your time just in the first two maps, um, whereas I have been sort of evenly spreading my time through them. So how how deep how deep of a dive would you say that you're doing on these maps? Uh, I have map completed each of them. And I've done all the adventures and as many achievements as I possibly can. I've actually 100% Oasis, but um, there are a few things that are bugged still in uh, Highlands that I can't get a hold of quite yet. I actually can't do adventures anymore. I had that the other day. I saw you put that in the show notes, and I had that the other day as well. I'm not totally sure what changed it, but I've been doing adventures for the past two days without any problems, so I don't know what happened. Hmm. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I'll check again today and see if it's gotten fixed. It might have just been a patch, had a had a patch problem or something. Uh, how much are you sticking around and seeing full event chains as opposed to sort of just the, um sort of just running across events when you see them and then moving on. Are there are there big chains in these maps? Um I haven't really done a whole lot of the like pick a pick an area and like sit there and talk to every NPC and find out all the secrets. I've just kind of been doing objectives that are in the like written out objectives for me. Uh there are some some chains. There's a mini dungeon in Highlands, which is fantastic, but that doesn't have a event chain associated with it it's just a just an area that if you dig deep enough there's a lot to be found there what uh what is it or what's it look like uh it it would be the snowy area in the northwest oh okay the ruins yeah if you leave that area without collecting a few weapon skins you have not found everything that there is to find there i got confused about what i was supposed to be doing there uh I picked up an item and talked to an NPC and he was like, yeah, you should uh, find more of these or do something with that. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And then I explored what I thought was everywhere and could not find anything else to do. So I was, I explored a lot of area and did not find anything, but maybe, maybe it was bugged or maybe I just am not as thorough as I thought I was. I'll have to go run through that with you some, but that is the second map, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have you seen that legendary sad Choya or whatever the hell it's called? Distraught Choya, yes, yes. I have been doing a fair amount of bounty hunting. Oh, is that a bounty? Oh, okay. I I didn't know what spawned it. I just was swimming out in the water and I just came across it on its own little island and thought it was just about the weirdest. Um, <laughs> so it, it is a it is a what Choya bounty boss and he had. He was like throwing Choya at me and then also had swirling hammers around him. He looked uh, fierce, I suppose I would say. But Choyas are sort of the mascots of this uh, camp expansion, it seems like. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Peter Freeze tweeted a whole bunch of Choya before launch. And I 
went and photoshopped a bunch of them and uh that was super fun because now they are emotes in our discord and are are being used to you know only for good and not for evil of course of course but yeah i i was sort of starting to say it and then i didn't actually end end up uh, finishing i the way that i've been doing it is i've been sort of doing a story step and then if the next story step took me into a part of the map i hadn't explored then i just sort of map completed whatever area up until there and then i would move on and do the next story bit and then so on and so on and so basically by the time the story told me to leave the map that was about when i was finishing map complete and i felt like it was a really excellent pace of doing content and keeping things varied because at that rate i was getting a lot of experience from the story Uh, i was getting a lot of experience just from doing maps uh, map events and then sort of whenever you might have wanted a high enough tier mastery to get your next mount because i had spent that time in the open world i had the right amount so i've basically never had to go back and like grind something in order to get progress i've just been filling in the map at the rate or like sort of at a proportional rate to the rate i was doing the story and I felt like it was just a really smooth, a really smooth flow of mastery points to experience to content to st- like story. It just it just has been flowing really well uh, in my experience, and so. But I I don't think that that's how everybody else is playing it because I know a lot of people have been just sort of rushing the story and then or not rushing but like focusing on the story and you know they got it done in several hours but i have to imagine that they sort of blitz through the maps a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh, how, how is the pacing because you you finished the story now but you've basically only done two of the maps uh how, how did you feel about the pacing with masteries um and and those those aspects with the um, way that you were doing it you know it might be a bit controversial but i felt that it was really too fast <laughs> like i i basically the issue is I was really enjoying getting experience and having it be worth something. So those first few days after it came out, um, you know, picking up a lentil and being like, oh, experience or, you know, looking for those mobs with bonus experience so I could have that, you know, get the, all that that delicious XP. And I, I had a lot of fun doing that because that's not something I usually care about in Guild Wars 2. Um, and so it was over very quick. And uh, on the flip side, when I unlocked the the final mastery track um i decided that i was going to grind it out and i finished it in about 30 minutes um just by like going ham getting that xp which obviously i should have not done that because now i'm regretting although by now it certainly would have been done so i'm just i've been sitting at mastery cap going oh man i miss miss getting xp for things besides spirit shards um but yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people had a complaint about Heart of Thorns taking way too long. Um, so I'm I'm fine with being in the minority. It's not like a major grievance or anything. It's just, a, oh, I really enjoyed that kind of aspect that I don't get very often. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting to hear because... I mean, I, I think you've been playing uh, harder or longer than I have, but I am still in the middle of finishing up my tier four masteries. Um, I 
So, but I also haven't been using as many of the boosters. So I'm just rocking a birthday booster and then a food and um, a utility buff. And so the raid has felt pretty solid for me, whereas I definitely felt Heart of Thorns felt really grindy uh, between uh, some of the tiers being sort of what you'd think of as maybe like a dead tier where you get something, but it's really not that exciting. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's just sort of in your way before you can get what you actually want, whereas this game had a lot fewer of those, and each of them were pretty quick. Oh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still not even done with it yet, uh, but I also know that there's probably a half dozen different experience boosters I could be applying that I'm not. So it'll be interesting. Maybe we should ask the other hosts when they're on next uh, how, they, how they're feeling about this experience curve because i feel like there's going to be a lot of variance depending on how ham you're going mm -hmm. Ooh, excuse me so uh if you had to give something that was your favorite thing in the first map other than amnoon itself either a feature or uh, an event or a heart um what would be your what would be your favorite or most interesting thing in the first map what a difficult question. Well, we've been talking in circles and not actually talking about the maps, so... I know. You know. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go back there. Um, I think it, it is a bit nebulous, but I really liked um, coming across the branded area there and the the sense of scale that I got from the new brand as opposed to um, the original incarnation up in Ascalon uh was much more impactful to me um they they've kind of it it's less like purple and more well no it's not less purple how how would i phrase it it's less uh like a ditch and more like it turned the terrain to to glass there's some really nice areas where there's there's sand that's just turned to glass with like a purple sheen uh, which is very cool um, the whole, the whole scale of it, like just how big it was, gives a much better sense of how big Kralkatoric is. Um, and the the big branded spires on the sides are very cool. The floating, like the fro floating pyramid of like amethyst yeah, that's been, yeah, that's been exploded. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. I think that was a very big. Yeah, it was a very big departure aesthetically, both from the the previous branded areas, but also just from the rest of that map, uh, mm -hmm. because the rest of that map is fairly pretty. Uh, whereas that I think, is well, you can't say that that area is not with pretty pretty conventionally, I guess. Sure. Uh, whereas, yeah, that area is uh, very alien. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I oh, that was cool. My silly answer uh, for my for myself personally on what my favorite thing was was seeing the Balthazar statue with a derp face basket over its face. I um, can't believe we didn't get that as a guild decoration. Not yet, anyway. Uh, that's true, though. That that cracked me up. I saw that on the first day, and I just I took a screenshot of it. That's where the last episode's picture came from. Uh, uh -huh. But. I think I think my favorite thing was probably a subtle or not subtle but a small thing which and I I believe we talked about this when we did the um demo episode 
but I just I love that NPC that's the ghost that's on the teleporter and you you get the uh, mastery point from from doing the Simon says on it and mm-hmm. he talks about complaining about uh, hydras and all that stuff uh, that just brings me back to old-fashioned Guild Wars 1 nostalgia and I also like that they actually use that mechanic with the teleporter pads in a different map and they actually function. Uh, so I thought that was sort of neat to be both a callback and also sort of teach you something that they use later in the maps, but is fairly minor. Um, yeah. That was that was sort of, yeah, I, I really liked that. Um, aside from just the general aesthetic of the whole map, of course, but uh, I like that. Also, the huge pyramids right by Amnoon. Um, I went and climbed those. That was one of the first things I did. Uh, because of course I did. Uh, love it. Love the aesthetic there. Uh, that is, did I talk about... <sighs> See, I've already forgotten what we talked about last episode. Uh, did I talk about how you can use that to get to the to the to one of those mastery points without having the skimmer? I think so. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's good stuff. Oh my gosh, I keep yawning. <sighs> um... Having, I'm having a hard time like thinking of what to talk about with the map specifically. Like it's so big. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I definitely feel that these maps are a lot less densely packed than older maps, and I think that that's sort of because they're meant to be run through quickly, or at rather at a high pace, a fast pace, because of the mounts. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's like it's almost making it hard for me to grasp anything individual in the map because they're so huge. I know I keep saying it, but I really like that. I really, really like how big they are. I was always um, kind of down on Corteria because it felt so cramped to mm-hmm. me. And I really, really like that. I know I keep saying it, but it, it's so important to me how how, uh, how they've changed the scale of the world and how it, it feels like the Crystal Desert is big and important because it is big and important. And we have a good way of traveling it now, so it's not uh, egregiously big. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> nothing is really standing out to me either to talk about. It's it's very much uh, like an introductory map. It's like, here's here's the things that go on in Path of Fire, right? Like, it's uh, here's mounts, and you do a race, and you, uh, you know, like, go around doing events, and there's hearts, and there's bounties. Are you, are you ever repeating these hearts? Uh, Do you think I you're ever going to? to. <laughs> um, probably not. Probably not until I need to for some reason. I generally, when, when I finish a heart for the first time, I go look at the vendor and decide if there's anything I want, see if there's any collection items, and then I... I, I leave it. There are a lot of, um, they did a pretty good job of keeping them, the vendors interesting to look at the first time because they sort of all have something different. Uh, There's a collection that you need an item that you purchase from one heart vendor per map. Um, so definitely make sure that you check for that. I don't know if I'm aware of that collection. But anyway. Uh, oh, you buy them like- for karma? Um and they result in one of the new armor set pieces. Uh, okay. Um, they're not very expensive. They're like 12k karma a piece. So, like, for those of us who have been around the Guild Wars block for a while, uh, 
you know, 75k karma all in all is uh, pretty, pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, the collection also tells you which of the NPCs it is, so I guess technically you don't need to check for it, but you also sometimes buy items for the uh, specialization weapon collections from them as well. Um, yeah, there's also like back piece collection items. Uh, once you... I'm not totally clear on how it works, but there are recipes that you can get that once you unlock them, it seems, you can buy from any heart NPC, which is nice, because like, my my recipe tab has been growing and growing, and I'm not totally sure what causes it, but it seems quite elaborate at this point that I have a lot of recipes for different weapons and armor. Yeah, I saw a bunch of those recipes that I could buy, and then it seemed like they were all the same ones, and so I just never bothered, because I just figured if I, ever, if I ever want to, I'll just get around to it, but... Uh, I have not, as of yet, picked up those recipes. Neither have I. I um, am being very tight with my karma right now, <laughs> despite uh, I don't know. I just like I, this. This expansion seems pretty good for getting karma, considering you're you know you're doing a lot of events and doing a lot of hearts and um, a lot of the items or you know bonus map reward items that you pick up throughout doing the expansion are karma. Uh, but I also have to spend so much karma that I just I'm being so paranoid about it, not trying to spend anything extra than I need. Being miserly. I am. I I did think it was kind of funny to get karma items so frequently in this expansion. Like I didn't think anybody was really hurting for karma, but I mean it doesn't. Uh, I won't turn them down. I suppose. Karma's kind of fascinating because uh, it. It really depends on there's not there's not a community wide consensus on how useful karma is. Some people think it's useless and have like millions upon millions. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very useful and I, I'm running out of it all the time because I'm I use it for collections and you know, there's just a lot basically I mean, a lot of it is collections. So if you do that kind of thing, if you're like actively getting skins, if you're um, you know hunting AP or whatever, you're gonna go through karma, like there's no tomorrow because everything costs so much. I don't know if it's because they're trying to get people who don't spend their karma to spend their karma, and so everyone who does spend their karma is like mm, suffering. So everyone else like, has millions upon millions. But yeah, I feel like it's sort of one of those, um, you know, kind of like the original Silk Apocalypse where it was a resource that had no value and so they basically just made new stuff require a metric butt ton of it um and so it's like if you just did that once and you were done then it was kind of fine but then if you kept needing stuff that required it it got successively more and more painful uh because because karma we used to have millions and millions and used to get it very easily uh and I mean, I still, I'm still sitting on a million right now, over a million. Um, but I also don't do a ton of collections like you do, and I'm definitely not an achievement point hunter. Uh, but I'm also not really farming for it. Like I, I remember there used to be karma farms that people would do because it was one of the ways to get, you know, top tier armor at the time back when you could buy mm -hmm. an ore. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very strange currency. It's used for cosmetic stuff mostly and like you said some of it's extremely expensive legendaries eat through a chunk of karma depending on what you're using it for um but then if you're not using if you're not really going for those specific collections or you're not 
using those specific uses, then it really is essentially worthless because the things they sort of abandoned it as a as a uh, sort of as an average currency, if you will. Like it, it's only a very specialized currency, and the things that use it use it a lot. Uh, so yeah, it definitely creates that sense of being either worthless or too stingy, and there doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of middle ground. We'll have to ask Eric. He's our perpetually broke <laughs> co co cast mate, whatever, whatever the proper word for that is. You know what else I was really glad to see in in the map was, was an that? area that basically did look like the labyrinthine cliffs. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, we can a little bit. I was sad to not see more of it. I guess in the expansion as a whole. Because I thought the aesthetic of that has always been really cool, and um, it—it's kind of funny now that I think about it. Because in a lot of ways, those crystals were very much like proto mounts, right? Like you get these these abilities that take away your regular skills and let you traverse the environment in specialized ways. Uh, you had a high jump, you had a long jump, and you had uh like sort of a warp right and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny it's kind of funny that we've sort of returned back to that except now in the form of an actual mount mount um but so it sort of makes those skills not uh, not really have a point so i was i was thinking that i was gonna say it would have been kind of fun to get those skills back again but then i realized it would have been (laughs) there wouldn't have been much of a point with the mounts that we have so um how about you what are your thoughts on that section of the map that corner uh it was cool to see it like just in general for it to be there uh because as far as i know and i could be wrong uh but uh, in my understanding it's the original home of the zephyrites before they took to the sky Mm -hmm. um to get glint's egg to safety which is really cool that they didn't just forget about it and they put a place there and you know there's a lot of different lore connections there uh, and the other cool part about it is that it's it's still relevant because a lot of refugees are making their way there um, from farther south. So it's a it's a cool stopping point. Uh, I really hope that we haven't seen the end of the Zephyrites. Really hope that they kind of make a return. And I think it's a good it would be a good way for them to to make a return to to make a stop there and and have a chat with the refugees or something. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is there's there's so many story threads. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, but I can still I can I can dream in my in my dream in my dream world where we have infinite money and time, and I am the king of Arena Net. The uh, Zephyrites would not be forgotten. Yeah, I mean, to not go into any specifics on the story spoilers, I was kind of surprised at some of the characters and plot lines that literally never were addressed or not really addressed, but just like were just on hold. I would have thought that there were some things that would have happened during this expansion, but maybe that's for the next living story. Nope, I'm right we're right there with you with that one. There's uh some some questions that need be answered. And some questions that don't need to be answered, like we could just forget about from. That would be fine. Ah, oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I oh, back to back to things we liked in the map. I loved 
popping into Destiny's Ascent and Destiny's Gorge. Uh, I remember running through there rapidly away from uh, Hydra's back in the day of Guild Wars 1, and those being those little, pretty little town, that being a pretty little town area, so to speak, that just uh, was a was a brief respite. Uh, so it was nice. It was nice to go back there. I think I'm, you're going to hear me say that a lot while we're talking about this expansion, that it was nice to go back to some of these places from Guild Wars 1. Um, some of which have changed more than others uh, in in fitting ways, actually. I think it's fitting that nothing really changed in this beautiful little oasis, but then at the same time, something like Amnoon, you know, was a, was a trade hub. And so, yeah, of course it changed a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think they did a really good job, once again, of giving us that experience of exploring a world in which time has passed and being able to observe how it changed things both geographically and sort of i don't know how the how the npcs built around it and how their lives moved on or didn't um yeah i think they really nailed those aspects of the expansion and that's yeah it's i think it's it definitely i it's really good nostalgia for me because like while I like factions, I definitely liked Nightfall more and also Prophecies in some ways more, although Prophecies is very different, so that one's a little bit harder to quantify. And so this whole expansion being middle-slash-end of Prophecies and Nightfall base geographically has been really, really awesome for me. So, yeah, I I think they, I think they nailed that, and I think we're going to have a lot more to say about that in the upcoming two maps as you sort of get deeper into the older territories but there's a little bit less of that in this map because sort of the main end of guild wars one stuff happened just south of that right in augury rock and the surrounding yeah surrounding areas and so that's that's a couple maps away i can't remember if we we said it but m noon in guild wars one was uh, basically a uh, a dirt with a little pond and some tents right like there wasn't much more to amnoon yeah so it's very cool to see it have grown i think yeah i think you know uh you were saying they did a good job of uh showing that time has changed in the past um uh, i've i've had a grievance about uh usually their way of showing that time has passed is by sinking something that we love <laughs> <laughs> which I guess whatever, like they, you know, they they raise it or whatever, and or sink it underwater. Lion's Arch, Ascalon City, um, things Drunk like Earth's that. Forge. So, yeah, so to see a town, you know, that we were familiar with built up, also very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, God, we we still like talked about nothing and everything at the same time. I know. Uh, oh gosh, this is gonna keep us busy talking for a long time. Uh, but we're almost an hour in already, so since we don't have other co-hosts here, unless there's anything else you direly wanted to talk about, uh, I I could be convinced to just call it here for the night. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about meta builds and, and builds that have been coming out now that it's been a few weeks since uh, we've had our hands on the Elite Specs. I still personally haven't played a whole bunch, but there, there are a few... Um, sort of definitive things emerging. So uh, Firebrand and Weaver in particular 
came out really strongly as as PVE DPS choices. Uh, Firebrand has been uh, whacked back in line. Oh, that was fast already. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was a problem. It's still very very high, and I suspect that will continue to get nerfed. I don't think uh, anything has changed on Weaver's like upper end potential, but I could be wrong. There's been a lot of patches. Um, that tend to contain it like a few things at a time, and so I'm not sure that I've caught all of them. But uh, as far as I know, Weaver's still pretty high up there as DPS. It's been cool to watch now that now that I've raided a couple times since um, since the expansion has come out, uh, the way our raid groups are reacting to the the changes. So um, on fights for Easter and Condi Mesmers, now we might see a Mirage. Um, I've seen a few Renegades come in. QT put out a Renegade build today um, that QT has declared meta for, uh, I think, like five bosses, and the other four it's considered very effective, and then it's not recommended for two that are um, like extremely power power build skewed, which is very cool. Revenant hasn't seen a place in the meta for two years. <laughs> it, was, it was meta for like mm, six months, maybe tops after hot. Yeah, and I was just thinking that. Went like, away for a long time. We haven't. It's nice to hear them back, back in the back in the running. Yeah, um, haven't seen a lot of scourges yet. Although I've heard they are doing better than reapers. Um, I've also heard this disturbing news. Although I haven't seen this for myself, that uh, power scourge may be uh, doing higher DPS than power reaper. Uh, I mean, horrifying. God. What's the what's the build that they do on that? Uh, I'm not sure, but I would I would guess that um, it's dagger because a lot of I mean that's well, it's not going to be axe, so yeah, it has to be dagger because yeah. they don't have access to greatsword. Um, but also, dagger has been really popular in scourge builds because of how much life force it builds, how reliant the scourge's damage is on on being able to build that life force. Yeah, well, and since you can pulse them off of yourself and not have to they have no cast time when you do it that way i can definitely see that being a playstyle you could go for gosh i really wish axe were up to snuff yeah yeah man poor power reaper yeah they even got a buff i was like oh man they got a damage modifier that'll be great for them uh but i haven't heard anything since i think i think the the testing there's a lot of things. So this is one thing that I wanted to add on, by the way, uh, for everyone. If you are wondering when the meta builds are going to be set, it's still going to be a while. Don't expect it to be for the next few weeks. There's a lot of testing that has to be done. DPS builds, um, I think, are fairly all well theorycrafted at this point. Although, uh, if you're paying attention, you'll notice like Snowcrows recommends different things from QT that recommends different things from DNT, which recommends different things from Meta Battle and Ren and all the big guild names. So, uh, there's not really a consensus yet. There's a lot of really effective builds. Um, but if you're waiting, if you're waiting for the thing, it's still going to be a while. If you're waiting for support builds, that's going to be even longer because support builds can't really be tested without actually running them with people, and they just take a notoriously long time to theorycraft anyway. So if you're looking for like a Scourge healer or a Firebrand healer, there's a lot of good ideas out there, but they're not uh, 
really cemented yet. Think about things like like Regen Druid really only like it probably took a year for Regen Druid to really come around and into its own. Eight months to a year probably. Um so it's it's a long time scale. But I also wanted to say that if you are sitting here and you are like not touching the elite specs uh until you hear something that is meta and like set in stone. Don't do that, because you are really missing out on some great fun builds that you could be playing, but aren't, because somebody in the community doesn't say they're meta. Uh, Pistol Pistol Deadeye, Spellbreaker, uh, I mean, all these things have really good, like, across the board, every elite spec has interesting, good play styles, and just because they're not the best doesn't mean they're not great. I think they've hit a really good balance with this so don't yeah like don't don't worry too much about the meta don't get hung up on that there's a lot of really fun stuff to be had and i think if you're if you're too focused on that you're really missing out on some good experiences now i would say maybe don't invest in brand new armor um until meta figures it out quite yet maybe Depending. Yeah, it kind of de- yeah. I would say that that kind of depends on like how how well off you are in game and how how mad you would be if you had to change your gear and uh, just in general whether you like experimenting or not. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, well, if you like those things, then you probably would be doing that either way without us telling sure. you that. But you know, if you if you're worried about wasting time, you're probably probably not gonna love the uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, did you actually want to talk about anything in particular other than um, the fact that Firebrand and Renegade are, um, you know, finding a place now in raids, or did you just want to sort of mention that stuff? I think that's it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's like cool to start seeing the things shift around and new classes start to find find places. I, I feel really good about the overall balance. I think there has been a little bit of power creep for sure. Um, but not too terribly much because the the really high end stuff is getting whacked down very fast. So um, yeah, just excited to to see them pushing farther into. You don't need a specific class to do this specific thing. I think no, I'm certain with with the with Path of Fire, every class has a viable raid DPS build. Most of them more than one, which is awesome. It's a really good place to be in compared to other games like. I mean, I've, the ones I've played most recently are Terror and Black Desert, and in in those games, uh, you know, cl- classes all together. Uh, you know, in other MMOs, like a class is defined by its abilities because it doesn't have the ability to swap between weapons or between whatever. It, it's just like this is you wear a specific set of armor, and maybe the armor has different stats on it, or you can change that out kind of somewhat. And then you've got a whole bunch of abilities, and you have those abilities, and and that's it. Um, especially in Terra, it was like that for me. Like they had a trait loadout, but they had all these abilities, and so no matter where I took my gunner, it was always doing the same thing. Uh, and and so it's a really good experience for me in Guild Wars 2 to have multiple viable builds on the same character, and I feel like there are quite a few of them now. Yeah, I think that they're in a really good place. I do hope that at the end of the day, these don't completely obsolete they're same same or similar role cousins from heart of thorns uh the reaper being a notable uh problem child that we're talking about you know it's like um 
power creep is one thing, but at the same time, when it's coming at a direct cost of, you know, not being able to use it in conjunction with something else uh, that is, you know, that's mutually exclusive because they're elite specializations, I think that's a little bit worrisome. I mean, obviously, I love playing with the new stuff, and it's and it's cool. But I mean, I really like Reaper, and sometimes I miss having Deathstroud, and I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm actively handicapping myself or my groups if I <laughs> play an elite specialization. That you know, um, yeah. So we'll we'll have to see how some of these things shake out. Because I I think that especially in the case of Reaper, I think that they know that there's problems and I hope that they're thinking about solutions um, especially because you know the fact that you can't use Reaper and Scourge at the same time hopefully that could mean that they could give Reaper something really strong because Scourge can't have it um, you know but we'll just have to see Alright, cool. Well, that was a short episode in air quotes for us, but here we are sitting <laughs> in an hour, so um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to call it there. Did, was there any cast cast this week? Nope. Nop. Alrighty then. Well, thank you dear listeners for listening to us ramble and thank you Spirit for joining me this evening and we will be back next week with more with a lot more rambling i feel like that's safe to say this has been another episode of relics of or if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relics email us at relics at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr if you'd like to join us in game you can send a whisper or in-game mail to spirit face or drop us a note on twitter or our website and say hi Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.